All right, well, we're going to jump into our message this morning. We're actually in week three of our Accept No Lies series. Um, if you haven't been able to be here and, and maybe missed a couple weeks, I really want to encourage you to go back. All those messages are online. You can check them out there. Um, but we've been talking about a lot of different ideas when it comes to deception and lies and the things that we can experience in our lives. And so we're really going to just kind of jump right into this because I'm very excited about this message and I'm going to tell you why after we get into it. But I think this is a really important um, week and I think this is a really important time that God wants to really help us see some maybe some blind spots in our own lives so that God can say, hey, I want to help you here. I want to show you some things here because as we've talked about in the last several weeks, like when we accept these lies that we sometimes allow into our lives, when we agree with them, man, these things can devastate us. And it's hard because a lot of times we don't always see the progression. We don't always see where it starts. And so unfortunately, as we kind of talked about in the weeks before, we tend to kind of drive ourselves to, to deal with the symptoms of what we're dealing with. And we kind of miss some of the disease. We miss those deep down things that have come from some lies that we've been told or lies that we've experienced and accepted in our lives. And so I believe that God, to have us live in the freedom that Jesus came to give us, we have to kind of say no to those things. We have to be willing to understand what's happening and, and, and reject those things so that we can really live in the truth and the freedom that Jesus has for every single one of us. So as we kind of jump into week three, like I said, I'm excited to share these things, but I want to kind of start this way this morning. I want to look at, but basically who can work to deceive us? Like when we talk about this idea of lies and deception, like who is, and I use that word on purpose, like who's literally, their job at times it feels like is to deceive. Uh, their job is to lie. Their job is to bring division and problems into our lives. And some of these will be obvious, but the ones that we're really going to talk about this morning may not be as obvious as we probably should have them be. But the first one is an easy one. It's, it's, it's obviously enemy deception. We talked about that before. We saw it back in Genesis. It's where the enemy comes and Jesus calls the enemy the, literally the father of lies. He says, listen, there's no truth in him. Zero. So he comes and he lies. Paul really kind of talks about this in 1 Timothy 4.1. It says, listen, it says, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Now, again, the context here of 1 Timothy 4 is Paul was basically explaining to Timothy, a young pastor at the time, he's like, listen, when things get to the last days, when things are, are wrapping up in a lot of ways, man, you're going to start seeing a lot of these things. And one of the things he talks about is this, this deception that the enemy is going to be on, and he's going to be working overtime. Listen, I don't know about you, and, and I, I, you know, people have been talking about the last days, you know, since I was young, you know. And so obviously I don't know for sure when the last days are. But I'll tell you what, we're closer now than we've ever been. And I just see this, this scripture being so true in our world today. It's like when you look around and you see, man, the enemy just seems like he's working overtime when it comes to the deceptions that he's spewing out into our world. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. It just happens over and over. So the enemy, listen, he is working hard to deceive you. He's working hard to deceive others. It is something he does and he works. And listen, here's the thing. He's really good at it. He's really good. 
He has that ability, man, make a lie sound so much like the truth. So we need to understand that. So first, there's that enemy deception. deception. Number two, there's others' deception. There's an others' deception. Again, now we're in 2 Timothy 3.13. Listen, he says, But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. You know, listen, there are people in our lives, unfortunately, that want to deceive us. Sometimes they'll deceive us because they're deceived themselves. They don't really understand what's happening or what's going on. Like it's one of those things that as a parent, you're starting to kind of see that in in the life of your child. And as far as what he or she may be dealing with, where it's like, you know, kids at school are starting to say some things. You know, it's like when they're younger, they're kind of all sweet and innocent and all that. Well, as they get a little bit older, some things start coming out. Some lies begin to be told, you know, you're, you're this, you're that, you're not good enough, you're this. Or, and, and they usually come from kids that are their own age. Those are deceptions. They're deceptions from the enemy. Listen, when, if your kid comes home and they've been told they're not good enough or they're not worth it or they're ugly or they're horrible, they're dumb. or Listen, those are lies from the pit of hell. And we need to, as parents, listen, we need to help them understand that. If your response in that moment as a parent or a grandparent is, you know what, kids are just mean. You're dealing with a symptom, you're not dealing with the disease. We need to help our kids understand that, you know what, these kids that our kids are around, they need Jesus. And when they don't have Jesus, some lies come out. Some some deception comes out. Maybe you've heard those deceptions from family members or parents or, or bosses or, or, heaven forbid, just anybody in our lives. Others come and they, they tell us things. And when we accept them, they can literally destroy us from the inside out. We've talked about that. So you got enemy de- deception. You have others' deception. And really this morning, we're going to focus in on number three. Because this is one of those that sometimes we understand, but we really don't focus a lot on. And that is self-deception. These are the lies that you tell yourself. And listen, here's the thing. Here's what I've learned. The lies we tell ourselves are the worst lies. Because these are the lies that we convince ourselves to believe. Now listen, some of these lies are agreements that we have with the enemy or with others... But a lot of times, they're just simply things that we have told ourselves about ourselves that quite honestly came from the pit of hell. But it's things that we have communicated. Here's the deal. Like when the enemy comes and he lies, we can identify that a little bit easier. When others come and they say certain things, oh, I remember when my mom said this, or my dad said this, or this person did this, or whatever. But the lies we tell ourselves are so deceptive that we don't even understand at times that we're doing it. We'll sit there, we'll get up in the morning, we'll go in front of the mirror or something like this. And I know this may be a silly example, but I think you'll understand here what I'm saying. We'll get in front of the mirror, we'll look at ourselves and go, oh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm not good enough. We'll sit there, and I don't know how many times as a pastor I've had people, I'll say, listen, I need you to do this, or I think you can do a great job in this area. I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I'm I'm incapable of that. Listen, those are lies that you have told yourself that will bring you to the same destruction as any lie that the enemy will tell. 
Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 19, or excuse me, 17.9. It says, listen, it says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's deceitful. Listen, it says, and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Isn't it interesting that Jeremiah, through the the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and through God's word, is basically saying, hey, listen, the heart can be lots of different things, but he uses the word deceitful. Your heart will lie to you. I remember telling youth over and over and over this when I was a youth pastor. I'm going to tell you the same thing. One of the worst things you could do in your life is follow your heart. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, it's such a bumper sticker thing, isn't it? Just follow your heart and you can't go wrong. No, lie from the pit of hell. Don't follow your heart. Don't do it. It's deceitful and wicked. It's why God wants to give you a new heart and transform your heart. But you know what? Your heart lies to you. Your heart will tell you one thing and you'll go down that road and then your heart will change and you'll go down this other road. Don't follow your heart. Follow the Lord. It's different. So important. Look at Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, 20, it says this. Such a person feeds on ashes. Okay, now let me explain here for a minute when this idea of ashes um, is given in scripture. It's this idea of mourning. It's this idea of distress and stress. Ashes are not a good thing in scripture, okay? So in this, it's such a person feeds on that feeds on the hurt, feeds on the destruction, feeds on that. It says, and deludes, a deluded heart misleads him. A deluded heart, an incorrect heart, a heart that believes lies. He cannot save himself or say, listen, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? He can't even realize it. That's what's so dangerous about the lies we tell ourselves. They're so easily missed. They're so easily forgotten. They're so easily in our lives. We don't even realize that we're holding a lie. And so we'll walk around and we'll have this in our hands and we'll say, this is who I am. This is what I am or whatever it might be. And it's like we don't even realize we're holding a lie. And we present that. When God says no, you've got to understand something. Your heart is deluded. It doesn't understand. It's holding something that's, that's a lie. This morning what we're really going to talk about is this idea of, of being self-deceived. So that God can bring some truth and some light into the lies that some of you, listen, hear me, have been carrying around for a long, long time. Like I said earlier, the thing about the other's lies and the enemy's lies is we're more easily able to identify them. And so this morning as we look at these things, listen, I need you to be really open. Because like I said, for some of you, I think these are some lies you've been carrying around for a long, long time. And I know and I understand that some of these lies can be somewhat affected by others. But these are still lies that we tell ourselves that really can bring some some pain and some destruction to our lives. So this morning, let's look at some ways that we're self uh, that, that we are self-deceived. Let's look at some things that, that can show us how we can experience this in our lives. Listen, I've, I've got three of them. There's more than this, but I've got three this morning that I want to talk about. Number one, we can be self-deceived when we put our faith in our own strength. 
when we put our faith in our own strength. Listen, we need to understand something that sometimes we tell ourselves, listen, this is what we do. This is the lie we tell. I got it. I'm good. I'm okay. I can handle this on my own. Listen, listen, that sounds good. See, that's one of those things about lies. They sound good. Oh, well, I'm self-sufficient. I can handle this on my own. Can I, can I explain something to you? Okay. When we fell as a, as a people, when Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered the world, at that moment, you could not do it all by yourself. Even before the fall. Even before the fall. One of the first things, if not the first thing, that God looks at and goes, this is not good. If you look back at Genesis 1 and, and, and early on, it says, oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. The creation's good. The person's good. The world is good. Everything's so good. In fact, we get one, oh, it's very good. You know what the first not good is? Adam's alone. He doesn't have a helper. The first not good revolves around this idea that Adam needed someone in his life. But yet we think we can do it on our own. We think we don't need a, a, we don't need a, a friend. We don't need a community of believers. I can do it all by myself. It's a lie from the pit of hell. When you think you can do it in your own strength, trust me here, you're at your weakest point and you don't even know it because you're literally going against something that God has created in every single one of us and that's simply this we are created to need and love God and need and love each other and when you believe the lie you're going against the creator's design and plan for your life and we can see it so clearly especially in the life of a guy named Samson if you don't know who Samson is, Samson is a, is a gentleman who in the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, he was a judge. At this time in Israel's history, they didn't really have a king. Um, and so the judges would kind of come into place and they kind of rule areas and, and tribes and situations. And Samson was one of those individuals. And he was a, a guy that was born, that God prophesied that he would be born. And he had this thing and it was called the Nazarite vow. And so he could only do, he could not do certain things to fulfill this vow. And, and God gave him just this unbelievable amount of supernatural strength. And he did some crazy stuff. I mean, you look at in Judges and you read the, stamp, uh, the story of Samson. I mean, he did some amazing things. And, and he, but he also did some really, really not so good things. And not real smart things. And one of the things that he did that wasn't real smart is he got involved with the wrong girl. Okay. Listen, if you come up to my son and you ask him this, these words, he will roll his eyes and get frustrated with you because that's what he does. But ever since he has been old enough to understand the words that are coming out of his mother and my mouth, we say the same thing. You be careful. It's important who you marry. It's important who you get involved with. It matters in your friends. It matters in deeper relationships. And Samson got involved with the wrong girl, lady named Delilah. And so Delilah, oh man, she's sweet talker, you know. I don't know why, I, I'm just, just going to do it this way, and I don't know why I'm going to do this. But like for some reason, and I, again, I, I apologize to all of our people that, that are from the South. Like I always had Delilah pictured as a girl with a Southern accent. I don't know why. She was, you know, she was Philistine. You know, I don't think she had a, an accent at the time. But I just always had this picture. And so, so Samson is with Delilah. 
And she just goes, you know, she kind of walks in, looking all good. And she goes, hon, sweetums, sweetheart, love of my life, you know. She said, tell me the secret to your strength. Please, little buttercup. You know, I don't know why. It just, that's always a seat. And so Samson begins to say, oh, well, you know, if, if, you, if you take seven bowstrings and you kind of tie them up in my hair, you know, then I'll be as weak as, as any man. And now we get to see how dumb Samson really is, okay? This is, and this is not fair, and I understand that. I'm painting with a very broad brush. This is the first dumb jock story in history, okay? I'm serious. You'll see in a minute what I'm talking about. So guess what Delilah does? Samson falls asleep, and she does it. She gets his hair all tied up, and then she yells, Samson, the Philistines are here to capture you. Well, what's Samson do? He jumps up, you know, I guess breaks the bowstring and goes and takes care of business. Well, then, then Delilah says, oh, she has a hissy fit. You didn't tell me the secret of your strength. Now, here's the thing. If you got a brain in your head at this point, you're going, I don't think this young lady is really good for me. But he doesn't. She gets upset and has a, a pity party. Why won't you tell me the secret of your strength? You don't trust me. You don't love me. It's this horrible thing. And so he says, okay, listen, if you, if you tie me up with some new ropes, then I'll be just like any other man. So once again, Samson, man, he took a lot of naps. But he falls asleep. What's Delilah do? She ties him up with a bunch of ropes. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He jumps up, kink, off he goes. This happens several times. Finally, he, he, the third time happens. You know, well, if you, if you basically weave my hair into a loom, and I'll be like, that's weird, you know. Happens again. Well, finally, finally, Samson is willing to basically tell her the truth. Now, here's what's interesting. We're going to see here in just a second. Samson keeps getting up. He keeps fighting and winning. And, and his strength is, is basically enough. The problem is, is Samson doesn't understand here where his strength comes from. So Samson tells her, listen, if you cut my hair, I'll be like any other man. Now here the, here's the deal. The idea of cutting the hair was breaking that vow that he had made, that Nazarite vow. But it was also basically, I think more than that in this story... I think it was where Samson was basically saying, you know what, God, I don't need you anymore. You know, how, how, listen, when we have, we have vows in our life, don't we? You know, if you're married, you took a vow. You made a promise. And I don't know about you, but I, I've seen a lot of, of vow breaking in my life. Where people say, you know what, I don't need you anymore. I got it on my own. And so Samson here, he... He sits up and, and says, listen, if you cut my hair, I'll be like any other man. Well, guess what Delilah does? She cuts his hair. And then we pick up the story. And, and honestly, in one of the most tragic verses in all of Scripture, literally in my mind, Judges 16, 20. This is what it says. It says, then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. Listen to what he says. When he woke up, he thought... I will do as before and shake myself free. Now look at that. You see some words there that matter? There's a word there, this I and myself. I and myself free. Listen, but then the tragic verse. But he didn't realize 
that the Lord had left him. The story goes on, he's captured, he's blinded. I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's a tragic story. It's a sad story. And it's a story of a man who thought he could do it on his own. What did he say? I'll do like I've done before. I can handle it. I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. I can handle it on my own. It was a lie that he told himself. And he believed it and it led to his destruction. Do not believe the lie. Listen, some of us in this country even, we're, oh, you know, self-sufficient. Listen, I'm, I'm glad you're self-sufficient. I'm glad that you're a hard worker. Those are good things. I'm not knocking them. But you need to understand something. You can't do it in your own strength. You need the Lord. Listen, it's interesting that Jesus came. and he's, We're going to celebrate it here in about a month. But he came as Lord and Savior. If you could do it on your own, you would need the Lord, but you wouldn't need a Savior. The fact that you need both shows that you can't do it by yourself. We need to accept that and enjoy that and allow that to transform us and stop believing the lie. Number two, we can be self-deceived in our relation to the wrong security. Okay? We can self-deceive ourselves because we basically get the wrong security. Let me, let me show you what, what, this, what this looks like. Jesus told this story in Luke 12. In Luke 12, starting with verse number 16, this is what it says. It says, then he told them a story. This is Jesus speaking. A rich man uh, had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Verse number 19, uh, or, or finish with 18. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and all my other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. One of the lies that we tell ourselves is, listen, if I just have enough money, if I just have enough stuff, if I just have this or that, that's where my security is. That's all I need. We live a lot like this guy that Jesus talks about in Luke. We go, oh, listen, you know, listen, here's how we do this. When our barns are full, we're happy, we're excited, we're good, everything is awesome. But on the other side of that coin, when our barns seem empty, we're miserable, we're sad, we feel dejected and rejected. What have we done? We have put our faith and our, our trust in the wrong things. It can be so deceiving because it sounds so good. Oh, I just want to take care of this or I want to take care of my, my, my family. Listen, here's the thing. I understand that and those are good things. We need to do those things. We need to work hard. We need to make sure that we are taking care and having responsibility. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when we put our faith and our trust in the wrong things, it can be a lie that will destroy us. 
Our security is not found in what kind of car or what kind of house or how much money is in the bank account or in the 401k. Our security and our hope and our trust is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Period. And if it is in anything else, we will be... It can be devastating. Because here's the deal. Listen, I saw this and I did not click on it. I don't know anything about it. I just saw the, the headline. Okay? So I'm sure you know more about this than I do. But I saw some headline. I don't know how this works. Don't ask me. I don't know. But somehow somebody was like a, a, a Bitcoin. Bit, bit, I don't know what these things are. Bitcoin. Thank you. Billionaire. Billionaire with a B. And like somehow, I don't know how this works. Maybe you do. Great. Awesome. But like overnight, he went from a billionaire to a zillionaire. No, no, wait, no, zero, zero near, near, no, no money. I was trying to be all cute and I messed it up. He got nothing. His fortune was gone like that. Gone. Gone. Listen, if that man, I don't know anything about his life, but if he put his security in those billions of dollars, what's his security now? He doesn't know the Lord. Listen, here's the deal. It don't matter how much you got. When you're like this farmer and your life is called up, God's not going to go, well, boy, you had a lot of money, so let's talk about this in a different way. That's not how this works. We believe the lie. The lie that says, if I have this, I'll be happy. The lie that says if I get this individual to be a part of my life, they'll fulfill me. Listen, it can be hundreds of different things. But the bottom line is this. If your hope and your security is in anything but Jesus, you will be let down at the end. Be, be what God said here. Listen, it's, it's not about being rich necessarily in life. It's about being, having a rich relationship with Jesus. So important. Don't believe the lie and find your security in something else. Number three, we can be self-deceived concerning our spiritual condition. This is a big one. This is a big one, okay? Because here's the deal, and I've always said this, and I've always thought about this. And listen, we could get into all the details and all the nitty-gritty, uh, you know, and, and, and why and all this sort of stuff, you know. But I've always been blown away by this. And here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones because I'm not saying I would have done it any better, okay? But you had these guys in Jesus' day, okay? And I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that, that they had most of the Old Testament memorized, okay? Like, we're excited, like, I got a verse. I memorized a verse, and that's great. I mean, these guys, it was like, you know, memorized the Pentateuch easily. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, done. Joshua, yeah, probably all the Psalms, 150. I mean, they had the entire almost New Old Testament memorized. All the Old Testament. Listen, in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start talking about Jesus and, and the birth and all those sort of things. We get into our Christmas message, and it'll be a little different, so don't go, you know, really expect all that. But anyway, and we go, oh, look at Isaiah. Look at Isaiah says about the birth of Jesus. They had Isaiah memorized. They knew it front and back. And the Son of God is standing 
two feet from him, from them, and they don't recognize him. Unbelievable. And again, I'm not throwing rocks. I'm not saying I would have done any better. But we can so deceive ourselves with our spiritual condition. We can say, I'm good, I'm fine. That we don't always understand that Jesus is right in front of us, wanting to do something amazing inside of us, in us and through us. But because we're so deceived, we won't let him do it. We're so religious and so spiritual. Oh, I, you know, listen, here's a good way to know if you're doing this. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to help you. If you, in, in, when you're hearing me share or anybody share, pastors, whatever, whoever, and your first thought is, man, I sure wish so-and-so was here, you're deceived. It starts with yourself. And what God wants to do, listen, here's the deal. Maybe they do need to hear it. I hope that you have heard messages and you've thought, boy, I wish Aaron would hear that, you know, because I probably do. But we start with our own hearts, with our own lives. Look what it says in Revelation 3. In Revelation 3, we we see these these letters that that Jesus basically is wanting John to send out to the churches that are there. And and there's a church in Laodicea, and, and this is what Jesus says to them. It's in Revelation 3, 17. It says, you say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, here's what's great. Jesus says basically, hey, change. And, 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 and you know, he's, he's saying these things not because he's going, how dare you dump, you know. He's saying it so that we can understand where we're at and realize where we are and allow him to change us and allow him to do a great work in us. Listen, here's the thing. Like, you look at some of the words and some of the things that Jesus has said to the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the religious elite at his day. Jesus wasn't saying them to be mean. He wasn't saying them to be a jerk. He was literally saying them out of love to help them understand what their real condition was. You see, Jesus loves you so much, he will call you on your junk. Why? Because he loves you. Because he says you think you're okay in these areas, but you're not. You think you're well-fed, you think you're, you're rich, but you're naked and you're blind and you're poor. Instead of allowing him to do that, we kind of go, we're kind of almost Pharisee, you know, kind of in our, in our thinking. We go, I'm good, I'm good. It kind of goes back to that idea that on my own strength, I'm okay. It kind of also plays into that second idea of, of basically our security's in the wrong spot. I'm rich, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. And we don't realize where we're at. Listen, when it comes to the lies we tell ourselves as believers, this is like right up there, number one, number two, number three, if, if not number one. We allow pride to keep us from really seeing our state of where we're at. And we miss so many things. So many things that God wants to do in us change us and help us so to kind of finish this out i want to kind of look at some application i want to look at some things that we can do to kind of counter 
this self-deception in our lives. Because uh, here's the deal. I think we all do this. We all, we all lie to ourselves at times, okay? So what do we do to counter that? What do we do to counter that? Well, I think we can see some really helpful countermeasures in James, the first chapter. Now, in James, the first chapter, if you don't know, James is quite a book. James is going to step on your toes and not apologize for it, okay? I like James, okay? James is a great book. Okay, James, like I said, James will be like, okay, you know, quink, and you go, ah, and then you move back, and you go, okay, you know, thank you, James, you know, but it's not always easy. But James says some interesting things in James 1, starting with verse number 22 through 25. We're going to read through this section of scripture, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to dissect it a little bit to help us understand. So here's what it says. It says, do not merely listen to the word, and so, listen, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and forgets or immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in in what they do powerful scripture and, and and most of us have heard kind of that first couple of verses 22 23 you know this idea of of of, of being a doer of the word um, and somebody that basically hears the word but doesn't do it is is basically like somebody that looks at their face in a mirror and then forgets what they look like but really the the, the verse i want to focus in on this morning is really the verse <clears throat> there in in verse number 25 because i think in 25 james helps us see some countermeasures to keep us from deceiving ourselves. Remember what it said there. It said basically if you do listen to the word and you don't do it, you're deceiving yourself. You're telling yourself a lie and you're believing it. So I think there's four things that we can do to help counter the self-deception in our lives. The first one, and we're going to do these a little out of order, so we're not going to follow directly through verse 25, but the first one we're going to talk about is we need to be active with the word. Okay, he talked about this before. Okay, we need to be people that don't just hear the word, but actually allow it to change who we are and how we think and how we deal with stuff. Let me give you an easy, perfect example. For some of us, we have told ourselves the lie that because of our past, God cannot love me, care for me, or want anything to do with me. That's a lie. That is not true. Why do we know that? Not because our hearts say something different a lot of times. Not because we believe a certain thing. But because God's word tells us that is not true. He says that he wishes that none should perish. And that all should come to repentance. He says that he wipes away our sin as far as the east is from the west. He says that our sin though it's red like scarlet can be made white as snow. He says that we can be made a new creation. The old is gone. Behold the new has come. That is what the truth of the word of God says. But we need to be more than people that just hear it. We need to be people who apply it to our lives. That's what it means to be a doer of the word. A lot of us mistake that and go, oh, that means I need to go out and do things. Listen, yeah, you probably do need to do some stuff for the Lord. That's a good thing. But also, it means that we need to apply what God's word says. So when ourselves come with a lie, you're all alone. Nobody loves you. You're a horrible, terrible person. We can come back with the truth of God's word and apply it. 
and allow it to change us. Listen, here's the thing you need to understand, okay? A lot of times we kind of see this, um, God's word is like a mirror in a lot of ways. I mean, James even kind of talks about this. It's like when you do this and don't actually do it, you kind of forget what you look like. I want to use it in a little different way, but kind of use the same idea here. A lot of us, what we have done, especially as Christians, okay, is we do this. We go to the mirror, we look in the mirror, and we realize that our hair is messed up, okay? Our hair is messed up. And we say something like this, look, my hair's messed up. There it is, all messed up. We may even go to others. Hair's messed up. Listen, acknowledgement that your hair's messed up is not going to get your hair fixed. Okay? When we know God's word, but we don't apply it, we don't allow it to change us, that's kind of what we're doing. My hair's messed up. You realize that God wants to fix your hair in this illustration, okay? God wants to help you in that. Listen, it's not enough to identify the issues. God wants to fix them inside of you through his word. So be active in it. Number two, number two, continue in the word. Continue in the word. Now, this word continue, when you look at the original Greek, is, is very interesting. It's this idea or this concept that basically we need, the idea is, is to take time to see and examine the state of something, okay? That's what the word really means. When James wrote it out, when he was seeing, he's like, continue with the word. He was basically saying, listen, you need to see the word and examine it. You need to study it. You need to look at it and examine it in a very interesting way. Some of us, we think, hey, hey, I can just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just know, I'll just kind of read the word. Listen, listen, God wants us to really study it, really look into it. That idea of continuation is, is not just a surface level understanding, folks. I've said this before, you need to understand that. God has called every single one of us to be theologians. That is not, it should not be a scary word. Theologian is simply someone who studies scripture or studies religion. Now, in our case, I want you to be a Christian theologian. Study God's word. Know what God's word says. Listen, I'm glad you know John 3.16. I really am, but you need to know some more than that. Study it. Look into it. Understand it in a deeper way. And you go, but Aaron, I, I, don't, I don't always understand certain things. Listen, that's why we study it. That's why we look into it more. And you have more tools than we've ever had to do that. Take advantage of them. Take advantage of them. So do the word. Be a doer of the word. Be active in it. Continue in the word. Number three, remember the word. Okay? Remember the word. In Psalms it says, I have taken your word, O God, and I've hidden it in my heart that I may not sin against you. You know, sometimes one of the greatest problems we have when it comes to lies is we forget the truth. We forget what God's word said. We forget what God has done in the past. We're very forgetful. And it's interesting that James says that. He says, if you continue in this, but he says, but if you do it, not forgetting. Not forgetting. Well, obviously the opposite of that is to remember. 
You realize that scripture tells us that there are times where God wants to bring to your mind to remembrance of what he has said in his word or what he has done. But here's what I've learned about remembering. You got to learn it before you can remember it. So we have to continue in the word. We have to study. We have to be active in the word so that we can remember it and allow God to bring it to our remembrance. So when we begin to tell those lies about ourselves or the enemy comes or others come, guess what we can do? We can remember the truth. Number four, last one. We need to look intently into the word. Look intently into the word. Now, I want to go back here so we really understand what we're seeing here in, in verse 25. So let me, let, me, let me kind of give you the first couple of uh, sentence, or the first sentence, basically, or not sentence, first to the first comma, first thought of verse 25. This is this. It says, but the man who looks intently, and he's looking intently into something, okay? It says, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom okay now we need to break this down a little bit so we understand what James is saying here because there's a lot there can be some misunderstanding and some confusion here okay at this point James is not talking about the law as we see in the Old Testament okay because the law as we see in many 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 other scriptures read Romans for example was not perfect it was necessary we still have a moral law as Christians we kind of boil that down to what we call the Ten Commandments. So the moral law was there, but that law was not perfect. But in this, James puts a word that's very interesting. He uses the word perfect. Now, when we see the word perfect in the Greek, we see this idea of perfection, but also completeness. So what Paul, what James is basically saying here is, listen, you need to look intently into the complete total perfect law and then he goes one step further he says this perfect law brings forth freedom well I don't know about you if you've been around the last couple weeks we've talked a lot about freedom and where that comes from and it doesn't come from a law and it doesn't come from following the law and it doesn't come from making sure all your eyes are dotted and your t's are crossed it comes in a person that came to set us free and to give us true freedom, the complete perfect law is the law that we see represented in the concept of the moral law, the Ten Commandments, that has been made perfect and complete in the sacrifice, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When James says you look into the perfect law, he's speaking of him. He's speaking of our Lord and our Savior that comes to bring us freedom. Listen, we talked about this earlier. The word of God is powerful. It's strong. We need to look at it. We need to study it. But one thing we also need to do is to focus intently on Jesus. On who he is. Because here's the thing. You want to go back to the idea of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They knew the law. And Jesus was standing right in front of them and they didn't realize it. When we look intently into the perfect law. We see the completion and the law being fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And we look at him and allow him to transform us. 
Listen, the law is necessary. It helps us understand that we're sinners. It helps us understand that we've fallen short of Jesus. But Jesus came so that we could be made perfect in the sight of God because of what he has done. So therefore, we could have complete and total freedom. Well, I've talked about this verse earlier, but it's so good. John 8, 31 through 32, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my true disciples. One, two, and three. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That truth is Jesus, because he claimed again, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, you may know God's word frontward and backward, and I hope you do. But I'm telling you right now, if that's all you have, and you don't have Jesus... You don't have enough. Jesus is everything. It's so interesting that John, when he begins his book, he specifically calls Jesus the Word. The Word made flesh. So important. Because here's what I've learned. One of the greatest ways... To reject the lies that I tell myself, hear me here, is to ask Jesus what he thinks of my lie. Because here's the thing, Jesus will always tell you the truth. And I don't know about you, but I've gone to him at times and I'm going, Jesus, I feel alone right now. I feel like you've left me. Have you left me? Now you go, Aaron, shouldn't you know better? Yeah, I should, but I, sometimes I don't. And you know what Jesus says? A lot of times through his word, he says, you know what, Aaron, I love you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be there for you. One of the greatest ways to defeat and not accept lies is to accept the truth. The truth that is found in no one else but Jesus. Amen. No one else. Here's the deal. When it comes to lies from the enemy, it's going to happen. Okay, he's, he hates your guts. That makes sense. He's a roaring lion. He's going to seek out who he may devour. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his mission. That's his goal. And he will do those things in your life. You can't control that. Okay? You can't control lies that others will tell you. I wish I could. I, I wish I could say, you know, you can have a mute button. Wouldn't it be nice if we had mute buttons? Somebody starts to tell you a lie. Boop. Doesn't work. Doesn't happen. You can't control those things. But I have learned this. I can, with God's help, control the lies I tell myself. And here's what I've learned. When I won't believe the lies that I tell myself, I'm a lot less likely to believe the lies of the enemy and others. Because I know who I am. Listen, if you come to me now and you call me stupid... I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to go right off a duck's back. Because I know I'm not stupid. You know why I know I'm not stupid? Not because I went to school or whatever, because, because Jesus has told me I'm not stupid. He's told me, listen, I have wisdom, and I'm going to give it to you, and I have given it to you, and I'm going to give it to you liberally. I'm not stupid. But you know what? When I was eight, if you'd have told me I was stupid, you'd have ruined my life. Why? Because I wasn't mature enough to understand. I didn't understand the truth yet. To its fullest. 
Some of you are walking around and you're holding your own lies or you're holding lies that others have told you because in a lot of ways, in those areas where God wants you to understand who you are, you haven't yet. You haven't understood how precious you are to him. And so therefore you think that you're alone or not loved. You think you're not good enough or you don't have talents to be used by God because maybe something happened in the past that didn't work out well or whatever it might be. Where, and, and God's saying, no, 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 no. I have anointed you. I have given you gifts and talents that you can use for me. But we won't believe it because we don't believe it about ourselves. And this morning, specifically, what I believe God wants to do, look, I'm not, I'm not discounting the lies the enemy tells and the lies of others, okay? But this morning, what I think God really wants to do is he really, in a lot of people's hearts and lives, he wants to deal with some lies that you've told yourself. And you're going to find a level of freedom if you will allow God to destroy those lies that you have never experienced before. Because you don't understand how it's affecting so many other areas of your life. And God wants to do that in you so that you can have the freedom that Jesus talked about. Because here's the deal. Here's the dirty little secret. You ready? If you believe the lie about yourself that you're not worthy, then why would Jesus have ever come and died for you? And if Jesus never would have come and died for you, then obviously then he didn't. And if he didn't, then you're lost in your sin for all eternity. You see why this is so dangerous? truth is this, Jesus did come, and he did die, and he didn't die for the good people, because there's no such thing, he died for all of us, all of us dirty, disgusting people that needed a savior, you say, well, that wasn't very nice, that's all of us, we need Jesus, I can't do it on my own, I need help, we need him, he loves you, he came for you. And it's time to let the lie die. Let's close our eyes and let's focus here just a minute as we close. Thank you, Father. As we were, as I was kind of putting this series together, this was, this was a big week. You know, I mentioned way, way back before we even started, I said, this is going to be an important series for a lot of you. And I think one of the reasons why it was going to be so important is there are some lies that some of us have told ourselves, whether we're here or online, and we don't even understand. It's like the, it's like the scripture in Isaiah, we're holding a lie and we don't even know it. And I believe that the Lord... And the Holy Spirit this morning want to illuminate for some of us what we're actually holding. We think we're holding the truth, but we're not. And listen, God is not doing that because he's angry with you or mad at you. He loves you so much. And he wants you to understand what the truth is. Not the truth that you understand it to be. Because your heart is deceitful. It's deceitful. And there's only one truth. There's only one way. And there's only one life. 
that brings true freedom, and it's him. And so, I'm going to do things just a little different this morning. I'm going to shut up for a minute. And we're going to just be in some, some, some quiet. But before we go there, I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray with me. And this is for all of us, okay? Please don't, don't, don't be the, the guy, oh, I'm fine. No, no. We're going to pray that God will illuminate some lies that we're telling ourselves so that he can bring some freedom. Okay? So I want you to pray with me, asking God for that, and then I'm just going to be quiet for a bit. And we're going to let God speak to our hearts. And then I'll come back and we'll close. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, right now, I just pray that I believe that you, you place this on my heart for this moment and this time because there are some people, whether they be online or here, that have been holding on to lies and maybe they don't even realize it. Maybe they do, but regardless, today you, wanna, you want them to stop accepting the lies, agreeing with the lies, and instead release them and embrace your truth. And so, Father, through your Holy Spirit, Will you just show us, each of us as individuals, those areas that you want to bring freedom to? Thank you, Father. Father, will you just begin to speak truth into those lies? Father, will you just begin to destroy those lies with your word and the person of Jesus? And would you just begin to speak into our hearts the truth right now? Thank you, Father. Father, we love you, and we do thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy and your goodness. And Father, we thank you that, that you are truth. It's not about our truth or somebody else's truth. Uh, those can lead us astray. 
But Father, I'm so thankful that we have the anchor of your word and your truth that we can cling to. And Father, I pray and I thank you that right now some lies have been exposed. And Father, here's the deal. I believe that, that as we've asked, you've ex exposed some lies and you have then in turn brought forth some truth. And we thank you for that. But now, Father, it's on us. Which are we going to embrace? Which will we accept? Will we accept your truth or accept the lies? And Father, I know you desire for all of us to accept your truth, but you allow us to choose. And so, Father, for my life and for everyone's life that's here and those that are online, Father, we pray that we would accept your truth this morning. We would cling to your truth. We would say no to the lies of the enemy. We would say no to the lies of others. And especially we would say no to the lies that we tell ourselves. And instead, cling to your truth this morning. And allow that freedom and allow that truth to affect every area of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the truth. And we can cling to you. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this week, okay? Whatever area that you, need, you needed to let go of, okay? That lie you need to let go. And the truth you need to claim. I'm going to tell you right now. Be ready for it. I'm giving, I'm giving you pre, you know, Pre-intel, I don't know if that's the word, I don't know, I'm giving you intel. This week, you're going to get hit from the enemy, from yourself, and from others trying to get you to believe that lie again. I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen. You claim the truth. You stand on God's word. You stand on what Jesus told you. And you say no, all right? Say no. Don't, don't go back into bondage, folks. Claim your truth. Live your truth, experience your truth, and say no to the lies. Okay? Cool? All right. Love you guys so much. I hope you have a great week. Listen, we got lots coming up. Sign-up sheets out in the foyer, all sorts of stuff. I talked about it earlier. You know what's going on. Please make sure you sign up. Hope we have a wonderful week. Really looking forward to being with you at prayer on Wednesday. And then, of course, next week for our Thanksgiving potluck dinner together. Hope you have a great week. If you need a turkey as far as you signed up to help with making one or a ham, please see Linda. Hope you have a great week. I love you all so much. We'll see you soon.